Hi everyone, welcome back to Clinically Psyched. This week we're going to be talking about writing CVs. You may have noticed that this episode is coming out a little bit late this week. I'm so sorry about that. I started a new job and I've been getting up really, really early in the morning and by the time I get home, I am exhausted. Not to mention I have been working late trying to start on a good foot and so I am just, uh, I'm just really tired these days, but I hope I can still get these episodes and I will try my hardest to get them out every week. Um, but I will let you know if there's any service interruptions, so to speak. So this week we're talking about CVs. What is a CV? A CV is basically a kind of resume that's used by academics. It goes over your educational work, your volunteer experiences, your background, and all of your skills. It's kind of like a very professional summary of you. Any advice in this episode on how to write a CV will have to be taken with a grain of salt because CVs are incredibly personal. They are a summary of everything that you've accomplished and therefore the way you write it will have to be tailored to not only your own experience, but tailored to whatever program that you are applying to. So what are the skills that are really important for that particular program? There are definitely some basics that are included on every CV, but at the end of the day, it'll have to be up to your discretion. You know yourself best. Chances are, if you are listening to this podcast and you've applied before or applied to any kind of academic position or volunteer role, you probably already have a CV, or at least a resume. And a resume is a great start to a CV. So if you have one, pull it out because there might be some bits and pieces you can pull out of it in order to transfer to your academic CV. If you already have a great CV written, then maybe this is your opportunity to update it a little bit to make sure that you have all of your new accomplishments listed on it that you have done this year. Although they're quite personalized, CVs tend to have similar sections that whoever you're applying to will probably look for. These can include your contact info, so usually your email address and maybe your phone number. They used to have your address on it, but You don't really need to put it anymore unless you have an office at a university. You can also put in your LinkedIn or other websites to direct people to. Maybe if you have a portfolio or a summary of your research online, great place to put it, especially if you're submitting it electronically. You might also like to highlight what languages you speak. These are really cool skills and it would be great to have them on there along with your level of proficiency. Are you fluent? Can you read? Can you understand? even programming languages. By that I mean put some of your tech skills in there. So what programs can you use? What software? What hardware? Let's say if you have become an MRI tech and you can use that machinery. If you're in psych, it's probably good to include SPSS, R, Excel, reference managers, meta-analysis software, etc. Just make sure you don't lie about your proficiency in any of these skills because I promise you people will ask. Next, there's always an education section. So you will list your degrees, where you got them from, the years, including if they are in process. You'll want to highlight your specializations and even your thesis or honors work that you did. Some people include their GPA here, but don't think that it's necessary, especially if your GPA isn't the shining focal point of your application. There is no pressure to put it there. In fact, I wouldn't unless it is an absolutely stellar grade. 
Speaking of stellar grades, you can also put any awards that you've gotten, where they're from, what they are, when you got them, and even the dollar amount if it's relevant. Outside of class, you'll want to list your experience. This can include work if it's relevant, volunteering, uh, anything that is career-related, so that it could include extracurriculars that have to do with psychology. Were you a peer counselor? Did you work and volunteer with a mental health committee? Something like jack.org. Did you work in your community, maybe volunteering with different populations? Anything that you think might be relevant to whatever role that you're applying to can go here. And you can get a little creative with it. Not to the point where you're lying about what you did, but you can make certain things fit. Like, for instance, if you had a leadership role on a sports team, that might be something that you can include to showcase your skills of being a team player. You can also put in any certifications. This can include if you took an ethics course to do your thesis, you might want to put that there. If it's relevant, something like WMIS or CPR, um, you can put your affiliations. So did you join the APA? Did you join any other student associations, any memberships, and any additional training other than that that you may have received? You'll also probably include any presentations that you've given, um, properly cited of course, any publications that you have, and any poster presentations that you've given online or otherwise. Optionally, you can also include some of your interests or activities that you participate in, but only really put these on if it's relevant to what you're applying for, uh, and or if it's really interesting. Maybe you've traveled the world or had a really unique experience growing up that made you who you are. So here's your time to shine. Write about it. Now a couple notes on formatting your CV. My number one piece of advice would be to ask people you know who are further on in their careers to look at theirs. Sometimes you can even go to a professor's personal website or affiliation page on their university website and they'll have a link to their CV and you can do a little peek and see how they've phrased things. It's also a good idea to see what things they deem important. So if you're applying to their lab and they really emphasize you know, publications on their CV, then maybe really play up yours on your CV. CVs are usually quite clear and quite simple. It's not exactly the number one place to start getting creative and using programming software to design it or anything like that. You want it to be legible. That's your number one goal. Typically, they are scanned really quickly by admissions officers, so you don't really want there to be anything that will impede their ability to get the information really quickly out of it that they need. So find a template or two, make sure it's one that's very simple, not too colorful, not too complex, easy to read, really spaced out. You'll want to save it in a PDF or Word document, usually a PDF if you're submitting it uh, through application websites. You also don't want to include anything like photos of you, graphs, or any kind of fancy Canva shenanigans. This isn't the place for it. Under each experience or volunteer position, you'll put a little description of what you did and what you learned in that role. You'll want to use bullet points and K-I-S-S, keep it simple, stupid. Don't go into elaborate detail about anything. A couple short action verb oriented sentences will usually do the trick. Remember, 
think about who's reading it. They will definitely be skimming it, they won't want to hear your life story, and they will want to only pick out the things that are relevant. So make sure you highlight the things that make you specifically shine. And it goes without saying, but keep it professional. Don't use slang. Don't joke. Um, These might be things that you might do in a personal essay if that's the kind of person you were. I wouldn't recommend it personally, but definitely on the CV, that's not the place to put it. Make sure that you have proofread it impeccably and then proofread it again and then proofread it again and then proofread it again and then had anyone you know proofread it too. This is usually your first impression of an admissions officer to kind of get your application out of the first round and onto the table and you don't want something like a spelling error to keep you out. If you want to laugh, Google some of the spelling mistakes that people have found on CVs before. They're really easy to find and they're hilarious. Uh, There was someone who misspelled something and said that they're an expert in circumcision. That is so funny, but not what you want on your CV, I promise you. When you're writing these bullet points, make sure that you've read the job description or the researcher interests of where you're applying so that you can tailor what you write to it. Even the headings on your CV might have to do with this position, so things like relevant community experience if you're working with people, etc. And when you're writing about your experiences, just be factual and be to the point. Don't use any flashy language, the humor we talked about, um, and use very active skill-based language. So very, very specific examples of things that you did, and you should start each line with a verb, not I did this, or we accomplished this. It should be accomplished X, Y, Z. Also remember your verb tense. If you're no longer working at a position, then use past tense. So at this position, accomplished versus working on. So to give you a little bit of inspiration for action words, there are some common categories that they'll usually fall into. So something like talking about analysis, you might use words like assessed, tested, synthesized. For communication, you might use addressed, advocated, presented, taught, summarized. For creativity, adapted, authored, visualized, brainstormed. For initiative, generated, handled, attended, accomplished, achieved. For leadership, directed, supervised, trained, guided. For problem solving, refined, aided, saved, expanded. For teamwork, you might use words like accommodated, assisted, mediated, partnered, collaborated. And some other really good words are things like excelled, appraised, performed, executed, submitted, and prepared. Really look up lists of these words. You can find them on the internet and make your CV sound a little bit more exciting than the typical, I did this, I did that, and you'll stand out. So, as I said before, it's really helpful to look up examples that are relevant to the field that you are in. Don't look at a commerce student's CV. Don't look at an engineering student's CV. They will be emphasizing very different things and have very different industry standards. Although all CVs genuinely have these typical sections, what's first, what's second, the way things are written about, 
it'll differ discipline to discipline. So try to find somebody who is in psychology who will share it with you. Perhaps it's a TA, perhaps it's someone in your lab, perhaps it's a professor that you work with. There will be somebody who will let you see their CV and there are a ton of examples online as well. You also don't want to be too hyperbolic. Um, don't say that you, you know, totally saved a project all on your own. Just, just keep it realistic. Don't lie. I feel like admissions officers can always tell when somebody's lying or pushing it a little bit too far. So you don't have to be humble, but you also don't have to say that you are the best thing since sliced bread. It also really helps to use numbers and statistics when you can. It kind of grounds it a little bit, um, quantifies the achievements that you've had. So, you know, things like doubled XYZ or, you know, created a research study with 800 participants, things that have impressive statistics. Psychologically, they get people, they make you sound impressive. So use them if you have them. Another thing that doesn't really have to do with content or formatting is that you never want to have a gap in your CV. And what that means is you never want to have months or years where there isn't something listed on your CV that you've done. Do I think this is fair to everyone? Do I think that this is accommodating for people who might experience illness or disability? No, it's not fair, but it is something that people look for. But there are ways around this. If you were unable to work or perhaps unable to volunteer in a lab, maybe even the pandemic stood in the way, you might want to list other activities that you've been involved with and spin them so that they make sense on a CV. So maybe you took a course or maybe you had a job that helped you develop your soft skills, something that helped you become a better leader or team player. Maybe you increased your productivity or you worked on something creative. You can find a ton of free courses online, anything from learning how to code in our studio to, you know, reading fMRI scans. It's all out there. And if you have a gap in your resume, add whatever you can. And also constantly be adding and updating your CV. I promise, even though something can be really exciting once you accomplish it, you can still totally forget to update it and write about it. And it's always going to sound better when it's fresh and on your mind. So as soon as you finish something or you accomplish something, write a little blurb and get it on your CV before you forget. This way you always have it current, updated, sitting on your laptop so that you can send it out in a pinch. And when you do save it on your laptop, make sure that you keep it current and label it with the year. So you don't want it to be CV final copy 04. You want it to be XYZ CV 2021 or whatever the year is. Whoever you send it to is going to not only see how you saved it, but it'll help them organize it if they're saving it for their files. Perhaps you're a candidate for something and they want to easily find your CV. Have your name, have the date. It's the best way. Also, to make it easier to read and more friendly to the people who are going to be reading it, 
make sure that you put your name in the header. This way it'll show up on every page without taking up too much actual real estate on your CV. Seeing your name again and again also makes it more familiar to them, which psychology says makes them like you more. So, you know, we're psychologists, use it to your advantage. There might be the odd occasion where it's not actually read by a human being. These days, a lot of companies, especially if you're applying to a corporate job or something, you know, a little bit outside a university, they'll actually use software that reads your resume for them. And it'll instantly scan it for keywords, things that are relevant to the job posting. And if your resume isn't set up in an SEO-friendly way, that's search engine optimization-friendly way, then it's not going to pick up that you have the skills and it's not going to send your resume off to the next stage of the application process. So look up whatever are the most important skills, the most emphasized things in the listing, and to make sure that they are in your CV, in plain text, on it, not hidden. Uh, make sure that whatever fonts that you're using can be easily scanned by whatever software this is. So I recommend something very simple, uh, you know, a Garamond, a Times New Roman, an Arial, something like that. Not just for human eyes, but for the robot eyes too. You might see some of these crazy tips flying around where it tells you to highlight the whole job posting, make it really small, and put it in white text and put it in your resume so that the robot SEO search engine picks up on it. Don't do that. Um, they absolutely know when you've done that. Everything shows up as black text on their side, so you will totally get caught doing that. That is, uh, that's a terrible idea and I have seen a ton of people recommending it and I think that they just don't want you to get these jobs, to be honest. But if there's one thing you take away from today, that is proofread your CV again. If you haven't taken a look at it in a long time, take it out and read it again and read it again and read it again and make everyone you know read it. And when you think it's completely perfect, put it aside for a couple days, come back to it, and read it again. I can't stress how unfortunately unprofessional it looks when there's even a tiny typo on there. Know you're yours and you're yours, you're then, thens, and theirs. Get them right. Get the right, the right tenses, the right punctuation, the right grammatical structures. I super recommend downloading something like Grammarly, get the free version and have that look at your grammar and syntax to make sure it's 100% correct. It catches stuff that I forget all the time and I have an English minor, so definitely, definitely, definitely use one of those plugins if you have access to them. So keep it real, correct, current, and make sure it highlights the skills and talents that make you uniquely you and also uniquely right for whatever you are applying to. I would also recommend looking at the websites of wherever you're applying to see if they have something called a standardized CV template where you will have to take everything that's on your CV and put it into their template in order for them to read it for your submission. I've had to do that for a couple of applications and it's super annoying, so make sure you get it done before it's the last minute. A good CV lasts you a lifetime because you keep updating it and it stays with you wherever you go. So 
get a good head start on it, get a good template going, and save uh, a master copy of it so that you can create a new copy, copy and paste it, and then tailor that pasted version to wherever you're applying, and you will have a much easier go of it than trying to do it from scratch over and over again. I also think that it helps sometimes if you think about writing your CV as if you are writing about another person. I think that you could probably write an amazing CV for a person that you really cared about, a best friend, because you see all the great things that really make them stand out and shine and you're not afraid to kind of brag about them in an honest way. Well, do that for yourself. It'll take the pressure off talking about yourself. I know that is my least favorite topic of conversation is talking about myself and my accomplishments. I think it's really hard and I usually backtrack and try to be very humble because it seems like the polite thing to do. But um, in this kind of writing, make sure that you're really playing up your assets. You don't have to be humble. You just have to be truthful and you're great. So that's not something you really have to lie about it now, is it? I know that was a ton of information and it's the kind of thing that's a little bit hard to visualize when you're hearing it verbally. So again, I emphasize, go look at some. That's the best way to learn. Well, that's all of the advice that I have for you today. It was a quick and cheerful episode for sure. I hope you're all doing all right. I know it's been another really tough quarantine week. Uh, Definitely for us up in Canada, the cases are rising and vaccines are really hard to get. But luckily, I just found out that I get vaccinated next week, which is a very exciting new perk to my new job. And I am so excited for life to get back to normal again, whenever and however that happens. It's been so nice to have a somewhat regular routine the past couple of days, just getting up in the morning, getting dressed, having a place to go, having a schedule, and then coming back home at the end of the day. I never thought I would be excited to go into work, but I am so excited to be out of my house. It's unreal. It also helps that I am really enjoying the work that I'm doing, and I have a really great PI that I'm working for, which is such a welcome change to some of the unfortunately awful experiences I have had before with people kind of dangling these recommendation letters over my head or brushing me off at the last minute and not wanting to help me or develop my skills. I haven't been that long in this new job, but my PI has already talked about, you know, what I want to do with my life and how she can help me get into grad school. And she's really been lovely. And that's a huge motivator. And one of the things that makes me so happy about my new job, it's really amazing the difference that a good boss can have on getting you, you know, even more passionate about the work that you're doing, the field that you're in, and really re-motivating and invigorating you again. I spent a long time thinking, okay, everyone else has these amazing mentors, and although I did have several very good ones, I had been treated really badly by a couple, and I thought, okay, you know, good ones are out there, but they're not here. And, uh, well, I'm here to tell you that they do come along if you luck out and you kind of, 
you kind of feel it right away if they're going to be helpful to you, if they actually take an interest in you and what you have to say. It's night and day. I've really kind of learned the telltale signs now as I've had every end of the spectrum when it comes to good PIs versus not so nice ones. And the good ones are out there. And if you are someone who works with RAs, perhaps you have your own, let me tell you, when you take the time to really nurture, foster, and care about the people working for you, we 100% see it and appreciate it, especially now when the world is so crazy. It's really nice to know that the people you work with have your back. So I know whenever I have RAs hopefully working for me in the future, I'm going to take the time to try to be a really good mentor, and I hope that's what we all strive to be. So I hope you guys are all happy and working with great people, and if you're not, don't think you have to stick it out. Find somewhere else. Find someone else who appreciates you, and I will talk to you guys again next week, so have a good one. Clinically Psyched Pod is a non-for-profit passion project by me, Cass. Connect with me on Twitter at PodPsyched or send me an email to clinicallypsychedpod at gmail.com.